0: Edwin Frondozo on the Business Leadership Podcast every week for a unique program featuring insights and actionable items
1: from the world's most successful business leaders. Hear firsthand the exclusive interviews and personal journeys on how today's transformational leaders made it to the top. Hi, everyone. This is Edwin Frondozo, and thank you for joining me on the Business Leadership Podcast. On this episode, episode number 45, I sit down with Diane Kazarian the managing partner for the Greater Toronto Area and National Finance Services leader at PricewaterhouseCoopers. I was so thrilled to sit down with her as she was embarking on a new leadership role as the managing partner for the Greater Toronto Area. In our conversation, Dan shares with us why she believes in focusing before moving on, ensuring that you raise your hand when it comes to new opportunities, and how she transitions when it comes to new roles. But before getting started, I want to thank my media partners, IT World Canada, and Startup Canada for the overwhelming support. Now enjoy the show. Diane, thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast today.
0: Thanks, Edwin. I'm really happy to be here today. Thanks so much for having me. Uh,
1: thank you for inviting me. But Diane, let's just get started. Let's just warm up. Let's, If you could just introduce yourself to the listeners out there, if you could tell us a little something about yourself who you are, and what do you like to do when you're not growing or leading businesses?
0: Right. Well, I'm Diane Kazarian, and I'm a partner here at PwC in Canada, and I lead the financial services practice for Coopers across Canada, and it's an incredibly fun role, and I'm sure that we're going to get into that um, into a few minutes. I actually have an interesting background. I moved here in 1990, and I grew up in Providence, Rhode Island, in a immigrant home, uh, full of Armenian people, my grandparents, my mother and father, and um, I'm an only child. So, grew up pretty secluded um, in that kind of environment. And I was the first person in my family who was to graduate from university. And so, having goals and you know working hard was very important to me. I had a really important goal to get my first credit card in a fashion retailer nice. when I was 21 and <laughs> I I love I graduated. That from school and... Um I started working there uh, at another firm, actually, KPMG, and had lots of wonderful experiences there and then moved to Toronto in 1990 and just worked really hard uh, throughout, uh, throughout my career here at PwC and like to do lots of different things besides working. I have two children. I have a 24-year-old daughter, Audrey, and I have a 12-year-old son, Jack. And I love to be in my home and cooking and just being with my family and my husband and I love shopping, and I love yoga, and there's lots of various things that I like to do with my time.
1: Why don't you tell us a little bit more about PwC, I mean, for the f- listeners out there who may not understand who they are or what they do, and if you could share with us, then your current roles Um and what perhaps you're trying to accomplish over the next, let's say, 12 months.
0: Okay. So PwC, or Coopers, is a global advisory firm. And some people may look to a firm like PwC and say, well, we're an accounting firm. And many, right. many years ago, that's exactly how it started out. But PwC has grown to be a significant uh, business advisory firm operating in consulting, deals, assurance or auditing and tax. And within here in Canada, we have over 6000 employees. And um, we have a fabulous practice and I currently lead the financial services practice for PwC Canada. And that includes all of those disciplines that I just uh, mentioned to you. And from a sector standpoint, it includes banking and capital markets, insurance, private equity, real estate, asset management, and a really fun practice to be in. And I've been in this role for uh, about five years now.
1: I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think recently you... Took on another role as well. I read it in the news. uh, PR, you're the managing director of uh, the GTA. Is that correct?
0: Uh, Yeah, the managing partner of the
1: The managing partner. Correct. So
0: I was really um, looking forward to having this role someday, and I've worked very hard uh, to work towards it, actually. And I think it's a really natural role uh, coming after my financial services leadership role um, here in Canada. And that role will be effective on January one. And your original question was about what do I expect to be focused on over the next 12 months so I'll be working in the financial services space for sure because that is a core competency of mine Mm -hmm. but for me it's really getting into this new managing partner role here in the GTA working with all of our people in the GTA Uh, we have a significant amount of our staff about 55 percent of our business of PwC in Canada is here in the GTA and it spans across all of our disciplines and it expands around all of our industries, you know, such as mining and oil and gas and utilities and retail and technology and uh, many, many more, including, of course, financial services and public sector and our private company services. So I have lots of goals relating to this new role, and I'm super excited to get into it.
1: Dan, you've, you've led a successful career. I mean, you mentioned that you started out in Rhode Island, you were at KPMG, and now you've been with PwC for a very long time. Can you share with us some key challenges, maybe opportunities that you encountered? Basically, that allowed you to grow as a business leader.
0: Yeah, it's a really good question, and um, you know, when it relates to, I'll kind of tackle the challenges first, and then in my mind, I always like to look at challenges as opportunities. For me, I'm an auditor by background. Mm-hmm. I'm a U.S. CPA. I'm a Canadian CPA. When I moved here, I had to retake all my exams and so on. And so there was a point in time that I was always, um, you know, more of a hardcore accountant and auditor. And one of my challenges has been that um, I love that part of our business, but I've always loved to do more than that and really try to expand my skills and be a broader business advisor um, to my clients. And so we've had, um, you know various circumstances in the firm and the financial services practice that really tested my abilities to do that and um, I was able to do that and overcome some of those challenges and so I've grown from being I think a very good accountant and Mm -hmm. auditor uh, for a whole number of years and really been able to expand my relationships and expand my brain if you will to be able to embrace many parts of our business across PwC to be able to bring a much more holistic advisory capability and teams to my clients, particularly in the banking sector. And so with those challenges come, you know, lots of opportunities. And I really enjoyed uh, that part of it.
1: I mean, I just want to really dig down, especially for the listeners out there. I mean, you started as a hardcore technical accountant. Was there a point in your career or perhaps this was a goal that you had set before where you're like, you know what? It's time for me to release this, this, you know, technical know-how and really grow myself as as an operation or a business leader.
0: Right. You know, in our firm, it's so vast with so many different opportunities, right. and that's what I love about PwC is that there are a lot of opportunities that one can embrace. And I was never shy about. Understanding what those opportunities were and are, including, for example, taking on my new role and really putting my hand up, uh, something that I encourage to all of our people. And putting my hand up and understanding what new opportunities are. And so for me, although I started in this place, and you must really start with very deep content and knowledge and technical skills, it's critically important for me then to sort of expand was important um, to embrace some of those opportunities and reinvent myself every few years. So I tend to um, get a little bit intellectually bored after four or five years in particular roles and so every four to five years if you were to go back to my career and as I kind of self-reflect on myself Mm -hmm. that's something that I've been able to do is sort of change and grow and with that bring people along and bring teams along to that growth and to those opportunities and so for me it's um, really important to Reinvent yourself and always kind of look to see what's changing in the marketplace. And that's something that I continuously do and look forward to doing in my new role as well.
1: No, that's great. And I love how you mention it as like reinventing yourself and there's a cadence of 45 years. Do you have a five-year deadline in each role?
0: Not necessarily. I think it's just sort of naturally worked out Mm -hmm. that way. I remember back in 2008, 2009, a wonderful opportunity came about in our firm, and it was to lead the implementation of IFRS, or International Financial Reporting Standards, and that was throughout Canada. My CEO at the time had come to me, and it was a brand new role for me, something that um, I wanted to really take on because it worked across all of our businesses and all of our competencies and lines of services. And it happened to be just at a perfect time when I was coming off another role. So in my own mind, it's not sort of saying, you know, every four to five years mm-hmm. in particular, this is what happens. It For me, it just so happened to be that way.
1: It was serendipis is a... Not the right word, but that's what I'm thinking of. It just kind of lands in place, right?
0: A bit. And, you know, one does need to focus to do a very good job for a good number of years in any kind of role. So I do not um, ever suggest to people to kind of jump around either. Jumping around from one initiative to another does not allow for proper focus. And I'm a firm, firm believer that when we focus not just as a leader, but with your teams, that's when you really can get scale and make a difference. And I think that that's something that we've done really, really well in financial services over these five years.
1: Dan, I've read in in a past interview that you said, leadership isn't about me, it's about others. Can you share specific examples where you led through others? I
0: think whenever... One is in a leadership position. It's always about leading with others and through others. It's never about one person. And that's my leadership philosophy. And it took me a while to really get there. And this wasn't based on a whole bunch of books I read or anything like that. I looked at fabulous leaders in my firm and learned from them. That's number one. Um, number two, I learned very, very quickly that when you want to lead something big, if one were to do it, you know, all by yourself, you're just not going to get the result. And so to get people inspired, and excited, they need to be part of that leadership vision, they need to feel part of that journey. And they need to take credit, when credit is due. And so for me, when I say leadership is not about myself, I truly believe that. And it is about a team, and collaboration and being creative and learning together and making mistakes together and learning from those mistakes. To me, that is true leadership and that is the way that I try to operate on a daily basis with Mm -hmm. my teams.
1: You've changed roles, organizations, and with the move, your team and responsibilities actually change along with them, Diane. So how did you adjust and continually grow as an effective uh, leader throughout your career?
0: Well... I would say that I've learned a lot from others. And so when I take on a new leadership role, I often do a lot of self-reflection and thinking myself. In fact, with this new role that I'm taking on, if you go into my office, there's like a ton of stuff written on my whiteboard and I had to bring in another a big piece of apparatus to be able to (laughs) really kind of put my ideas out there. I'm very visual. Mm -hmm. And so I do a lot of self-reflection and thinking, and then I go and I speak to people, and I run things by them. And right now, for example, I'm in huge listening mode. So I have got my own ideas, of course, but I'm in big listening mode, and I'm going around and I'm speaking to many partners with whom, in this new role of mine that I'm about to take out, over that I wouldn't necessarily connect with naturally. And I'm in listening mode with them. And I want to understand what their needs are and what they see as needs in the greater Toronto area and what the role of the managing partner is that they would like to see from me. Our current managing partner is iconic, and he's awesome. Um, and I'm going to be filling, you know, very big shoes in our uh, partner, my partner, Raj Katari. That said, you know, I need to understand like how I'm going to do this role and uh, what the role will mean to me and to the team moving forward. So I do a lot of listening to people and then I go back and I do some thinking and then I bring together a strategy that I hope that people will buy into as a team.
1: And when you take on these new roles or even changing organizations, is there a, a time timeframe that, that you put yourself on in terms of from the listing mode putting out that strategy that transitioning or you know not changing things and then really implementing your stuff like what what do you find is good for you. I food. think it takes a good few
0: months to really go through this sort of catharsis, um, and in some cases, maybe you know, up to six months. And you're always course correcting, right? Like I'm a type of person we have a strategy, we have a business plan. I'm very big into business plan. I'm very big into having accountabilities and KPIs to each other as a leadership team, and so that also means that sometimes things need to change. Sometimes the business plan and the goal needs to change because something in the environment has changed, and we must be very um, aware of that. Okay. And so I give myself and the team, you know, uh, many months to move through that. And then it's always an iterative process.
1: And then the iterative process for you now, I mean, moving forward as, as an imagining partner, would that what would that look like? I mean, is that every six months or is that not a daily thing, but you're always listening and really trying to course correct as it comes
0: well, I, I have a um, process for bringing my leadership team together. We are going to be having the first meeting in January of my team. And then I'm having an off-site meeting to take us to a place um, on February 1st. And what I always like to do is start it with a fun activity to kind of level set everybody Mm -hmm. and kind of take your mind away from work and sort of level set people and then go freshly into a strategy session so that we can all create our strategy together and buy into it. And then every month sort of come together, talk about it, see how we're doing, build a good scorecard and measure ourselves to that through the end of June. And then we start a new fiscal year in July.
1: Oh, that's great. I just want to change gears a bit, Diane. You're a champion for diversity and inclusion, and you're the co-sponsor of PwC's Canada's Women in Leadership Program. You were, I mean, a recipient of the Women's Executive Network's Canada's Most Powerful Women. Can you share what you're seeing in the workplace since becoming an active leader or an advocate on on these issues?
0: I'm seeing a lot, a lot of change, a lot of momentum. I've been in the role of being the co-sponsor with my partner, Philip Grosh, who really was the brainchild behind the Women in Leadership program. It's an award-winning program um, in uh, in North America. It's quite amazing and we work with an amazing team, Karen McCall and others on that team. And it's all about bringing women talented, high performing women together after doing lots of research about understanding why women leave, and so on. And so we've got a lot of research around that. And we have we understand that. And uh, really trying to bring these women together of all parts of our businesses, to be able to help support them as they grow through their career and their own professional development. And um, We have had this program in place for a number of years now. I think we have about 180 cohorts that have been through the program, and it's one of bringing people together in a classroom setting, but then going back and having networks and doing some lots of self-reflection and thinking and so on. And the conversations that we have at that table about what it means to be a sponsor, women must seek sponsors men generally naturally will have sponsors women generally don't but just Mm -hmm. having that conversation is huge leaps and bonds talking about a mentor um, putting your hand up for opportunities putting your hand up when you feel you have some good competencies but you may not be a hundred percent ready for a role Women tend to not do that because they really want to be ready because they don't want to fail. So there are some distinct differences between males and females in the way that they approach opportunities. Putting these issues on the table, having conversations about them, we bring in a lot of outside leaders into the room to talk about their experiences as well. And just having those conversations and building a network of uh, women and men, there's a lot of men in this program who are supporting the women and that is absolutely critical. That has moved the needle significantly at PwC. And since we've put this program in, we can see women making it to partner, women taking on roles that they otherwise wouldn't have, et cetera. So it's super rewarding to me. Really, really important work and one that I'm very passionate about.
1: They say it's lonely at the top. So Diane, with that in mind, who do you turn to now when you're faced with a business leadership problem?
0: I'm never lonely at the top. I... I, Saw this question, and I was actually speaking to Pierre about it. Uh-huh. I've never felt that. Okay. Um, I think it is a... Uh very old fashioned way of thinking mm-hmm. that, um, you know, a CEO or a head of a business is sort of sitting there, you know, at the top of this mountain by themselves and they're doing all of this thinking by themselves and then all the people below them are working for them. And although in some organizations, you know, that may still be the case today and I'm sure that it is, um, in our firm, it's all about teamwork and collaboration. And for me, um, in particular, in the way that I lead and the way that I like to uh, drive our Business. It's um, so collaborative that if I felt that I had a business issue, I have an excellent relationship with my CEO, and I often will go to him and run questions by him and other leaders in the firm. And I've done that. Throughout my time as the financial services leader, it's very important. I equally would go with a business problem to someone on my team, uh, maybe even someone quite junior to get their perspective because the millennial perspective is incredibly important. I love working with our communications and media and PR team, people like Pierre, for example, and, um, and our marketing people, like these are Uh, competencies in our firm that make us who we are today and make us look good. So I often will run by lots of business questions and problems with many people who are not necessarily at the top, but within the bowels of the organization. But to me, that's where it matters. So
1: I don't feel lonely. Dan, through this podcast, I'm getting a a long list of books. A lot of business leaders take some time to read. I'm really curious. What are you reading right now?
0: Well, you know, um... I do read People Magazine just for complete entertainment I like that because I like that. <laughs> you know, I have a 24-year-old daughter. I have a 12-year-old son. Um, and um, I have a very, very busy life. And so when I'm not working here, I like to be home and I like to be cooking and I'm engaged with my family, my children, my husband. My husband's a partner in the firm, which is fabulous because he understands. Mm-hmm. Uh, we understand each other and how to work together as a team. So it's important. And I do like to read uh, when I can. And um, I love stories about real people. So I don't like fiction. I don't read fiction. And uh, for me, it's all about people and experiences. Because when I am captivated by uh, leaders or someone's experience, I can really kind of put myself into their Mm -hmm. shoes. And I love the Nelson Mandela book, for example, Um, I'm looking forward to reading Michelle Obama's new book. I went to hear her two weeks ago Mm -hmm. and she was extremely inspiring to me. It was all about diversity and women and girls and, um, I had never heard her speak. So that was really cool and really interesting for me. So I'm looking forward to her
1: book as well. Dan, if I were to ask any of your team colleagues, peers, what's the best leadership quality you possess? What do you think, or, or maybe what do you hope they'll say?
0: I hope they would say that I'm inclusive, that I listen, that I collaborate, but I'm not afraid to make decisions and not afraid to make tough calls, and that I care. Because um, I, I do care. I care about people. I care about our business. I care immensely about our clients. You can't care about your clients unless you care about your people, because mm-hmm. it's your people that feed your clients. And we have a very healthy Uh, culture here at PWC and caring and dreaming and um, really putting ourselves in other shoes. Those are all key components of our culture and working together and teaming and and so on. And so I would hope that those would be some of the words that they would say
1: about me. So what else, Diane? Do you have any special projects, initiatives, or maybe something fun that that you're looking towards or that you're excited about i mean outside of i guess the obvious one is is your new role but is there anything else
0: Right now, I'm very focused on the new role. Yeah, um, I have to say, and um, you know, much of my energy will go to that role while still working in my financial services business. So, you know, I need to be very focused on that. Um, I used to have a very good yoga practice, and I kind of gave it up for a while, and so I'm back into it now. <clears throat> and I found a new yoga instructor who's who's wonderful, and I feel that when I do yoga, it's very strengthening for the body, and it is not just sort of relaxing yoga. It's pretty mm. rigorous, but it's also awesome for my mind. And I feel that uh, when one is very busy and leading big teams and, you know, leading big businesses, it's really important to be super in tune with yourself, with your mind, you know, with your body. And
1: I'm very, very focused on that. I'm having a blast. I'm really learning a lot, then and, and I hope everyone who's listening is as well. But before we end, Dan, if you could share some final thoughts, observations. Ideally, what we like to share is some, some type of actionable recommendations that you could share to anyone who's listening, who's growing, who wants to take the next step to become a business leader.
0: I think you need to uh, really know yourself first, and you need to do, you know, quite a bit of self-discovery. And knowing yourself doesn't just stop at any given point in Mm -hmm. time, you know, we're always growing. So being open to change, being open to learning, being open to really understanding who you are as a person, as a business professional, as a leader, so that you can then kind of decide where you wanna go. I think that that's very important for all of us um, in business. And then um, once you have a good uh, fix on that, with your teams to be open and not be afraid to put yourself out there. You know, for me, being vulnerable a bit and showing oneself is a huge strength as opposed to always pretending that as a leader, you have to be the one that knows absolutely everything. You have to be strong at every single point um, in terms of your decision-making process right. or your collaborative process. It's it's okay to be vulnerable because at the end of the day, we're humans. Um, we're complex human beings and we have um, various personalities and emotions. And to be open to know that it takes many people um, to come together to make, to build great things, to mm-hmm. build great businesses and to really execute on business plans is a big acknowledgement for business leaders. And, um, I have wonderful teams that I work with. I try to ensure that I always place people on my teams to compensate for the lack of the skills that I would have. So that as one team, you become very, very whole and you're really, um, Embracing diversity and that diversity of thought and different skills. And so, to me, that's another tip that I would give to the business leaders. And don't be afraid to make mistakes. You know, I'm very accountable to myself and my team's accountable to each other. I will not suffer fools. And if someone's negligent or they're not being honest and truthful, that's something that I would never, ever uh, tolerate. But making mistakes and learning through mistakes is something that I encourage us to converse about. Don't come and just tell me about everything that's going well because we often learn more from the things that are not going well. And that creates an environment of safeness and inclusion and that we can talk um, openly and then move forward. So those would be some of the tips that I would have for people.
1: I love that. Thank you for sharing those tips, Dan. So to close, can you... Tell us where we could find more information about you, PwC, or anything else that you'd want to share to the listeners today.
0: Well, I'm very active on social media, and I'm very into Twitter. Um, I've been learning a lot about Twitter. I've been on it a little bit over a year now. And I'm not a Facebook person. I don't do Instagram. I tend to use social media 99.9% of the time for business purposes Mm -hmm. only. I'll occasionally post (laughs) a picture of my children, for example, or if we're at a community event, like a run that we're doing, where I'm representing the firm, I might post something fun like that with clients or with my children, my family. But if you go on to at Diane Kazarian, that is my handle, it is a a great uh, place I think for Twitter to be able to share quick glimpses of data about something that's interesting in the marketplace. For me, it's about financial services, it's about banking. Innovation. I think innovation and technology runs through and bleeds through everything that we do and touches every business and every operating model that we have out there. So I myself have been learning a lot about innovation um, and, and a lot about technology. And so I have some very um, awesome business leaders worldwide that I follow, and I have a number of followers myself. So you can learn more about me and about PwC on Twitter, uh, for sure, and of course, on my LinkedIn as well.
1: Awesome, Diane. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for joining us on the Business Leadership Podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun.
1: That's it, folks. Thank you for listening to episode number 45 of the Business Leadership Podcast with Diane Kazarian. To learn more about Diane, PwC, or anything else we've mentioned, please head over to thebusinessleadership.com slash 045. If you are enjoying the show, would love to hear from you. Please rate and comment on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you again. Edwin signing off. Thank you for listening to the Business Leadership Podcast at thebusinessleadership.com.